Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This is Kansas State's Cooper Beebe, and you're listening to the PowerCat Post Game Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribing to this show on your favorite podcast provider. Welcome to your bonus edition. I don't even know if it's a bonus edition anymore. Just a, your second post-game <laughs> podcast. As we've been doing this all year, they keep winning when we uh, go on the road, so we do it often. Tim Fitzgerald, Brian Hanley with your Powercat post-game review podcast. Um, next year, Brian, we're gonna we're just going to make this the new thing. We're going to do a reaction podcast, and then you and I will do a review podcast, and Absolutely. we'll call it good. Because if this football program it. wants to be this good, they deserve all of that. Absolutely. We are looking at, talking about, reviewing Kansas State's remarkable 31-28 victory over TCU in the Big 12 championship on Saturday in Arlington, a game I was at in the press box, and Brian was at with his guys at the game. You had a bunch of your teammates that were there. Just give me that. We're sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. I'll give them a read in a second, but I want to get to this. Uh, Tell me about your day. That looked awesome. Well, I mean, we had a good time, man. I mean, it was just a bunch of us got together. We were going to go to the game. Uh, well, you know, when they won, we were obviously going to the game. Um, just being able to hang out and reminisce and talk. But more importantly, it's really fun when you're hanging out with a bunch of guys that you played with. We're calling out plays, screaming what to do, screaming not to do this. You know, it makes it a lot more fun when you're just hanging out with the guys that you've been friends with for 25 years that know football and are very passionate about K-State trying to win and trying to be the best we can be, man. It was really, really fun. Any, I don't want to bring this back up again, any feelings of redemption out of that from all those mates from those, that 98 team that might have made you feel a little bit better? Mm, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, however, 
we did bring it up on the ride home, and then later on that night, we were talking about how it was literally the exact opposite feeling that I'm that you know that we have today. I mean, it was literally the exact same, except it didn't go into double overtime. So TCU is the the ranked team, the favored team. They're going to play the national well, the playoff versus the national title, you know. And it was the other way around. So, um, but no, no. To be honest, there there was no redemption. <laughs> Well, it is interesting that they lost, and like you guys, and this is a lost piece of history from 1998, you fell to number three in the BCS rankings, um, and then fell all the way through the Bulls because uh, the Big 12, or yeah, Big 12 had allowed the Bulls to pre-invite teams, which was a mistake. They stuck at number three, and get into the game because now it's now it's 14 playoff instead of just two so be it at least it's going to get to 12 here pretty soon and k-state would be in that 12 team playoff this year if that was enacted it will be in 2024 so we're just one season after this away from 12 teams and that'll be a wonderful thing brian i I thought K-State played a great game. They made their mistakes. The muff punt was a huge change um, of momentum. It looked like K-State was on the verge of maybe blowing that thing out, which is hard to do with TCU. But I, I, I just want to say this. Oh, my goodness. Max Duggan is a quarterback. That, yeah. that guy would not go away. He just just lose, Max. Just lose. Yeah. And yeah. And, and finally they, they simply couldn't run him anymore and K State was able to stop him at the goal. But wow, what a game. From an X's and O's, from a just a fan standpoint, that was some remarkable football. And again I just say this, the Big Twelve is an absolute blast. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. The thing that that made it fun is that it was a well-played football game. You know, it wasn't a bad football game, you know, because you see a lot of times championship games, number one, they can be blowouts. Number two, it's just not very well played. It was momentum swings on both sides. Um, It was just a a very well-played. You can tell that these two teams are well-coached. They're both very well coached. Uh, and obviously, K-State, you know, we won at the end and loved every bit of it. Every bit of it. Yeah, it was something else. The defense got it done at the end of the day. But, boy, were they gassed there in the second half. And the Kansas State defense has had some really good games. But in many ways, I thought that was the most tenacious they had been all season. They bottled up Kendry Miller as much as possible. He is so good and so tough. I knew they had to keep him under 100. They kept him around 80. And of all of the battles throughout the day, I think what Julius Brents went through at cornerback kind of summed up the day. It was a war between him and Quentin Johnson. I mean, they went at it every snap possible. It was really something else to watch. Two guys that will be in the NFL very soon going at it up and down the field, whether it was a pass breakup, a pass interference, just uh, the interception for Brents was game-changing. That that For me, that battle summed up the day. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was great watching it. Um, and Brent's, you know, he, he hung in there. That's the thing. He hung 
in there and fought because he didn't have to. He could have sulked and they would have just kept going to, and, you know, they could have just wilted the game and just, he could have just died on the vine, but he did not. And again, that's part of being well coached, yeah. you know, and having a team and fighting for your teammates and just, you know what? I made a mistake. He beat me, but you know what? He didn't defeat me. He beat me on this play, but that has nothing to do with the next play. And the guy just kept fighting on both sides. I mean, it was great, great football. And you're right. I think that epitomized uh, how the football game went. I really, really do. Will Howard, 18 of 32, threw it 32 times this game, 190 yard, 199 yards, two touchdowns, along of 40 yards. He was sacked three times. K-State only got Max Duggan down one time uh, during the course of the game. But still, Will Howard was was pretty impressive. Uh, This kid has turned into one heck of a quarterback. um, And I I think as he progresses through his career here at Kansas State, at least another year, he's got two that he can still play. I think he has the opportunity to be the best quarterback in college football. He is showing that he is something else. And boy, does that offense thrive once he took over the offense. Yeah, absolutely. Once he got in control, I mean, the offense, it just went to another dimension. You know, it it really did. I mean, we had Deuce. We could run the football. Um, We have a good offensive line, but we just weren't pushing the ball down the field. I think it has a little bit more to do with confidence in him and what he's able to do and then going out and proving it, you know, and and I think you're right, Fitz. Next year, I mean, I, I can't wait. I already can't wait because he's going to be the, the improvement that he made from last year to this year, the improvement that he's going to make again. I'm not saying the leap's going to be that big, but just him getting even more better, you know, is just going to be, it, it just holds so much for K-State in, in the, the aspirations of where we're trying to be. Will Howard is going to be a force to be reckoned with. He just will be. Certainly will be. They're going to have to find him some new receivers. He'll get tight end Ben Sennett back, but Phillips Brooks is going to be gone. Cade Warner is going to be gone, and Malik Knowles will be gone. Losing Malik was a big part of the game. Losing Echo Boydo was a big part of the game. But I, I, I tell you, I'm just so blown away by how Chris Kleiman and his coaching staff have young guys ready to play. And yeah. R.J. Garcia came in with a his first touchdown catch in his career was a great catch it a little bit high throw from will howard he went up and got it on the other side of the ball you put some young players in the defensive backfield it was just really impressive how everyone held up through the course of the game but the good news is malik knowles we don't know the nature of him or echo boydo's injuries but they're both should be back chris Kleiman said for the bowl game and as we proceed through this, we'll talk some more about the game. But we found out officially on Sunday, it took forever for ESPN to say the words. It was absurd um, <laughs> that Alabama and Kansas State will be the Sugar Bowl matchup. Maybe that's as big as it gets. Uh, granted, outside of the playoff, that's as big as it gets. That is going to be a huge opportunity for this program. Just give me your thoughts on that. Well, I mean, obviously, it's one of the biggest bowl games that K-State's ever been in. I'd venture to say the biggest that K-State's ever been in. Um, I think that the opportunity to prove a lot, uh, not just for K-State fans, but also for, for Big 12, 
I mean, this is kind of a thing because everybody's ragging on TCU saying they don't deserve it, you know, because they got beat by us, which uh, acting like that we're not a good football team. And, and obviously if you follow big 12 and you follow K state couldn't be further from the truth. I just believe that this is a gigantic opportunity and, and again, I have no problem saying it. I think it's the biggest bowl game. I mean, I know the 93 Copper Bowl, that, that's obviously got to be up there. But this is, this is just different, Fitz. It's just different, man. I, I just And I played in a huge bowl game. Don't get me wrong. I was there. But I just think this is different. I think it's bigger. I think it's the biggest bowl game we've ever been in. I really do. Yeah, it, it really is. It's Someone just asked me this on Twitter. Is this an opportunity to be the the most productive season despite three losses in K-State football history because they're knocking off top 10 teams. Oklahoma was a top 10 team. TCU is a top 10 team. Who am I forgetting? There was a couple more in there. Uh, Oklahoma State was a top 10 team. It's been impressive what they've done all season long. And if you win a Big 12 championship and then win the Sugar Bowl, it's hard to argue against that being the biggest season in K-State football history. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we should shy away from that. I know I've been saying kind of the same thing all year, is when you're good, you're good, and own it. The same thing holds true here. If it's the biggest and best bowl game that we've ever been to, it can be the biggest and best season that K-State's ever had, and there's nothing wrong with saying that, nothing at all. Yep, yeah, absolutely. It's it's remarkable what Chris Kleiman has set up here. And as I mentioned, he played so many young guys in this game. And yeah. they stepped up and got it done. And, you know, Damian Alalu, a freshman from Can from excuse me, from Manhattan, comes in on the last defensive snap of the regular season and helps stop a really good running back. The guy's hardly played this year, and now he's yeah. a nose tackle on a fourth and goal to maybe decide the Big 12 championship, and he delivers. Having yeah. guys ready, this that's the biggest thing this coaching staff's done. Everyone on this team knows they might be called upon at any moment, and I don't like comparing and contrasting with Coach Snyder. I'm, I, I do it a lot. I'm just not always comfortable with it, because. Uh, but he is the standard. But it's something Kleiman does better than Coach did. He, he has more than the depth ready to play there there you know coach was famous for making sure his ones and the key twos were ready coach Kleiman does a really good job making sure the threes are ready they you might see playing time in the regular season just because not mop-up time and there he was he was on the field in a huge moment and he rose to the moment it's really just amazing what he's done with this roster and prepared everyone to play yeah, I mean, when you just think about it, you know, football is always a game of attrition. It just is. Guys are going to get hurt. That's the nature of the game. And the best that you can have more or the the more that you can have guys ready, the better off that you are going to be. A lot of that comes down to the quality of depth that you have. And maybe it's not as bad since as what we actually think. I don't know. I'm not saying that guys are, you know, that we have, you know, tons of four and five stars, but if you, it doesn't matter if guys are prepared to play and then when they get their opportunity, you know, uh, and again, I'm not here to say that our depth is as, as big as Alabama or anybody like that, but maybe it has a lot to do with preparation. 
That's all I'm saying. And maybe yeah. we're not as, as bad depth-wise as what we think when you actually have guys that are ready to play and contribute. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, transfer portal changes all of that anyway. So, because guys don't get to play at Alabama, they're going to leave immediately and go somewhere else. I just think that changes the dynamics, and I just believe that our coaching staff does an outstanding job at getting guys ready to play and letting them know, look, you're a play away. I know a lot of times people don't believe that, and they don't think that, but it's literally the truth. You are a play away from being out there. Uh, Whatever they're doing, I love it. Keep doing it. Yep, absolutely. There's no doubt about it. Um you know, when this game started and I saw TCU get the quick touchdown, I thought, oh, boy, here we go. And then I realized that's the same thing I said in 2003 when Oklahoma scored. Yeah. And uh, it didn't play out quite the same. It's not certainly as dramatic. But one thing that I found eerily similar to that win over Oklahoma in 2003, the Darren Sproles screen and the Deuce Vaughn run had so many similarities in it and how they got into the open field and nobody was going to tackle him. Didn't matter. Deuce just put a move on a safety that will haunt him until he's in the retirement home. He will be thinking about that moment when he got so crossed up, he just fell down. (laughs) I went back and watched it. I'm like, Oh, dude, you just gave up on life in that that moment. You're like, ah, yeah. oh, screw it, I can't do anything, and just down he went. And the the dude, I'd love to see a, literally a diagram of Deuce's path on that run because he runs right at the guy and just does a little half circle around him, whoop, and then angles to the touch in, into the end zone to run away. That, that guy, that kid's special. That that's just. You, you can't teach that. You you just got to have the God-given ability and and uh, learn the instinct to do what he did on that play. It was incredible. I mean, he's just a crazy, crazy football player, Fitz. First of all, the play was designed to go to the right on the front side, and he breaks it back because that's where the hole was. So that's number one. He goes to the back side. There's nothing front side. He cuts back, wide open lane. He takes advantage. Then he outruns the linebacker that they were in man coverage and he's assigned to him. He outruns him. And then literally every defensive back's worst nightmare is <laughs> Deuce Vaughn in the open field. He could, if this, he said, we will give you a billion dollars if you tackle him. He wasn't going to tackle him. Oh. If you could have said, if you give him a billion dollars to touch him, he wasn't going to touch him. It just, it was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, Deuce Vaughn, He's just he's just that special fit. He really is that special. I I don't know what a defensive back would prefer. A a guy like um Bijan Johnson coming at him as a freight train or Kendra Miller and I'm gonna run you over, you gotta take this on, or you get clown the way Deuce Vaughn did. I think you'd prefer to get run over and maybe hurt than then have your ankles broken and fall down in a heap just like I, I'm well, useless out here. Well, the thing about getting run over, you can get run over just absolutely steamrolled. But if you catch an ankle right or a foot right, you can still make a tackle. If you don't touch a guy and you literally are falling all over your ankles, that is a million times worse. Just a million times worse. I Actually, I feel bad for the kid because that'll be a highlight forever. And it's not going to go away. I feel bad for him. Yeah, it, I, I, I don't feel that bad for him. Um, 
<laughs> there were some hijinks that went on in that game that uh, uh Yeah, you're right. TC's you're right. a little um little spicy maybe. Uh Yeah, you're right. I, you're right. I, I what goes on on a football field? I heard uh, I I heard from uh, a relative of a player that one of the incidents where the K-State was kind of barking back the dude that threw the swing at uh, Ben Sennett was spitting on players out yeah. there. That's come on, man. That's not football. Well, see, here's the thing. I, I, if that happened, we're just nice guys, and that's good. We're nice guys because I can assure you, when we were playing, if somebody spit on somebody, they'd have had to throw us all out of the game because there would have been a melee. That's just one thing you don't do. There's a lot of things you can push me, trick me, whatever, slap me. You can punch me. But if you spit on me or spit on somebody's face, I mean, that is about as disrespectful. And it's not about as that is the most disrespectful thing. And I get guys are trying to be in the game. They're trying to continue to play. And a ref's not necessarily going to see that because I believe if a ref sees somebody spit on somebody, he's going to throw them out of the game. and He's not going to do anything to the guy that punches somebody back. You know, because I just believe that men are wired that way. So he must have been doing it away from me. But if that's going on, then you're right. I don't feel sorry for anybody on TCU for being embarrassed. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. With all that said, um, I I greatly respect what TCU accomplishes here. Uh, I'm not sure I I really appreciate the the fan base that think it's cool to intentionally injure other players. That's that's kind of losing focus of what's right in the world. Um, But that is a really good football team. They are well well constructed, and I know this is a K State podcast, and um, I I think they're going to smoke Michigan. Brother, I I watched Michigan Ohio State quite a bit this year. I I haven't been blown away by either one. They played some close games. I was never that impressed with Michigan until they blew out Ohio State. But I think they're going to be stunned by how physical and relentless TCU is. And I know the Big Ten has been known for that in the past, but I think the Big Twelve is now the more physical league. I, I I'll just say it. I, I bet money line already on TCU. I think they're going to win that game. I mean, I like TCU, but I actually feel the other way. The the only reason that I feel that way is because I believe that Michigan can match up physically on the outside with TCU. Inside, it will kind of be what it is. But if you can match them and play man coverage, which Michigan will be able to do, because they got some guys that can do that, then we'll just see who wins up front. Now, if TCU is better, then they're better. But I know that Ohio State, on their offense right now, they got three or four guys at receiver that are going to play in the NFL. That's going to happen. And Michigan completely locked them up. And then, then they and then they whipped them up front. So if, if they're able to do that against TCU and just say, you're not going to be able to throw, we're going to play man coverage, and you can't beat it, then TCU is going to have a problem. So we'll just see who wins that battle. Now, if they're able to get over their head, then that's a different ball game altogether. I will say that I believe TCU has a receiver that is better than other than Harrison. He's got better better receivers than what Ohio Ohio State has. So we'll see. We'll see. I just I just don't know. It's going to be tough for for TCU to stand up physically on the defensive side of the ball because Michigan, the way that they run the football and the concepts that they run it, 
is I've never seen anything like it before. Just the way that they their blocking schemes, it, it's just different. Um, but with film study, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? You got plenty of time to prepare. I, That's I right. That. That's right. <laughs> um, boy, I, I love college football. There's, there's just nothing. You know, I appreciate the NFL. I know you're a big Steelers fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. Chief, my Chiefs lost on Sunday, and I kind of went, "Yeah, that sucks." You know, I mean, <laughs> yep. it's, it's hard to feel bad about anything right now uh, because right. of what Kansas State accomplished. And um, we will continue to talk about the Wildcats, what's ahead for Kansas State, the opportunity, not just for K-State, but for the Big 12 as TCU goes into the playoffs. Kansas State goes to the Sugar Bowl. And maybe we'll get into some of the other bowl matchups as we continue on the Powercat Post Game Review Podcast, sponsored by Caddyshack Golf. Make sure you head to Caddyshack Golf. Go check out their stuff. You're going to love their clothing. It doesn't matter if you're a golfer or not. The golfing really is pretty cool, but they have all kinds of stuff at Caddyshack Golf. It's Caddy with the two T's, CaddyshackGolf.com. Use code GPC on your next order. This is Kansas State's Daniel Green, the leaders in K-State sports coverage. We'll be right back with more of the PowerCat Postgame Podcast. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is Kansas State's Felix and Yudike Uzama. Welcome back to the PowerCat Postgame Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. We continue now on the PowerCat Postgame Review Podcast, your follow-up to the follow-up. We did one with Cole Carmody and Michael Goins from a hotel room in the Arlington area. We were up in Irving, Las Colinas. And now we have our guy, Brian Hanley, an offensive lineman on the 97-98 K-State teams from his home nearby in Frisco. Brian, um, when Kansas State lost to Tulane, what did you think would come of this season? Honestly, I mean, I'm just like everybody else. I thought, man, Tulane's not very good. I know they're well coached, but Tulane's just not very good. And we can't put together an offense that can score more than 10 points. I go, this is not going to be a good season. I thought at maximum, we were going to go six and six. And that's just what I thought. I thought if we can't do more than this against Tulane, then by golly, we're not going to beat a whole lot of the teams in the big 12. I just thought, Hey, if we can get to six and six, that'll be great, which it wouldn't have been great. But I thought, hey, we're not any better than that. So that's that, those were my thoughts. Um, immediately following the game, and then, you know, that, that just that's just what I thought. 
you know, I, I'm just being honest. And I think there was a lot of people that kind of thought the same way, even though I knew we had potential to be really good. I just saw the game and I thought, well, we're not as good as what I thought. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought six and six was, you know, probably what they were looking at. I, I, I knew TCU, or excuse me, I knew Tulane was good going into the game. We talked about it, how well coached they were and yep. that they were going to be problems. I had no clue they, they were this good. And, of no. course, they made it to the Cotton Bowl as the the group of five, six, what is it now, team that uh, made it into the New Year's Six. They earned that by beating UCF and the American Conference Championship. And they'll play USC. And that I'm intrigued by that matchup. I really am. That's a, just a completely contrast in styles. And, you know, we're talking about an NFL quarterback, and, you know, for USC and, and a really sound defense that's, you know, pretty darn good against the run for Tulane. That, that's going to be a fascinating game. It really will be. Yeah, I mean, don't be surprised if Tulane wins because yeah. USC, as we know, Lincoln Riley refuses to play any type of defense whatsoever they do his teams just refuse to do that uh they'll score uh but i believe Tulane will be able to score right with them but they'll be able to control the tempo i do and they play physical enough defense that usc is not going to be able to score every single time um i'm not predicting that tulane will win um but don't be surprised if they do win I just wouldn't be surprised if they win that game. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Meanwhile, Kansas State will play, of course, Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. It's hard to evaluate this game just, you know, a couple days after the championship games were played because we don't know who's playing for Alabama. I put up a daily delivery video about this earlier today, on, and we're doing this course on Monday. Alabama will field a team representing its school. It's not up to K-State to worry about who isn't playing. That has Alabama on the jersey, and Kansas State will have a team with Kansas State on the jersey. Those are the players that the school can put out there. And I don't care if it's injury or absences. You don't make it through a season with all your players. And if you recruit these guys, that's the price you have to pay. You get a great benefit from them, but maybe you're going to lose a bowl game here and there because guys will opt out. Just give me your feelings on the opt-out process as a former player and when it's appropriate to do so, when it's not. Just give me your overall feelings on that. Well, obviously, when I played, it, it was way different. Yeah, I mean, 98, my last year, it was a totally different situation. Um, and, and so nobody opted out. I mean, there was no thought of it, no hint of it, nothing. Everybody played till the very last game if you were healthy. That's just the way it worked. Things are a lot different now. Um, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying it's just different. And if to me, I'm a guy that plays because my whole thing with people that opt out is like, well, where do you draw the line? Okay. You lost three games and you still have four games left in the season. Do you do guys opt out then? And we've seen from time to time, a guy will opt out in the middle of the season and just be done. Or say they are the worst is jumping into the transfer portal, but that's a different conversation for another day. But the whole opt-out process, I'm just, I don't like it. 
unless you're a guy that, you know what, I'm guaranteed to make this, this, and this. I mean, if you're a second, third, fourth round pick, don't you want to become a first round pick? The only way you can do that, there's one thing that having a good pro day, but you know what, what if you're going against a guy in a bowl game that's projected to be really good at the next level? Don't you want to go beat him and go compete with him? So I think we leave out that part of the competitive part of, of this whole process gets left out of that. Um, and I think it needs to be a bigger process. And I think if NFL scouts looked at it and maybe put more emphasis on it, I just believe that more guys would start playing in these games versus opting out. Yeah, I, I agree. If you're worried about injury, look, if you're if you're a top five guy or even maybe a first round guy and the game doesn't mean much, I, I get it. I mean, money right. money, career's career. I also think it says about a lot about someone when they back down from a challenge, when they, when they they opt not to play, it kind of sets an alarm bell off in my head. I don't think K-State will have anyone opt out to prepare themselves for the draft. I just don't see that. Uh, Julius Prince isn't doing it. Daniel Green isn't doing it. Um, Who else that's a senior? Uh, And now we get into the juniors. BB's not doing it. Deuce Vaughn's not doing it. And the only one I'm worried about is Felix. And here's why. He's been dinged up all year. And when I saw Felix come in the postgame, that dude could hardly walk. I mean, he was was gimpy. So, you know, maybe if you got a lingering injury and you're not going to be healthy anyhow, so you're not going to put your best product on the field, you might make that business decision. But I still think King Felix will play. I think K-State, other than the injuries, will be at, at full strength for this game. And uh, I said this on the daily delivery. Not one of these dudes would have been recruited by Alabama. So don't give me we're missing our top players. Every dude on your team right now, minus the walk-ons maybe, were higher rated or higher recruited than anyone on Kansas State's team. Don't complain. Period. No. No. Well, the first thing, perception is reality. K-State wants to beat Alabama. Right. I mean, K-State is perceived as being a a lower-tiered school in the eyes of many, and, and maybe well so. I mean, Alabama has won so many national championships in the last 15 years. You know, they're the standard. K-State wants to beat them. Guys aren't going to be opting out. Now, on the flip side of that, when you look at Alabama, you know, and I've thought about this for a little bit. I don't know that Alabama's going to have as many guys of uh, opt out as what you think, because uh, in all honesty, I don't think they have all these first round draft picks on their football team this year. Now, the quarterback might. Yeah. Quarterback is something different, but like, you know, in years past, they would have two or three offensive linemen and, and three or four defensive linemen and linebackers and, and two or three safeties and corners. I don't know that they have that this year on that team, you know, transfer portal has hit them a little bit too. So I'm sure they'll have some, but I don't think they're going to have as many as what we think, which to me, that's good for us because I, I don't want the excuse. I don't want to hear the excuse. All that nonsense that we had to hear last year. You know, that's not our problem. Just like you said, that's not our problem. If you don't want it to be your problem, then don't recruit guys that are going to opt out. 
period, yeah. point blank. If that's something that you're worried about, but I'm guessing they're not because Alabama will be quick to dip into the transfer portal after spring ball and pick off a guy from your school if they think that it can help them. Right. So all this righteousness that they try to, oh, well, we're not going to play or we're not going to have all our guys and all that stuff. Alabama is no better than anybody else. They will pick off somebody if it's in their best interest. So I just don't want to hear it. That's something that's been interesting about the transfer portal. A lot of people thought it'd be the rich getting richer, that everyone would want to, you know, the Deuce Vons of the world, if they could, would jump to Alabama. I think it's been a bleed off a little bit for those top programs. If I if I recall correctly, and I'll be blunt here, I'm a little mind numb today after the weekend. <laughs> I, I think I saw an Alabama offensive lineman, a starter, went into the portal today. So um, the portal's open for the first day. It's been kind of chaotic around college football. I know K-State had three backups go into the portal, um, including quarterback Jaron Lewis, which I'm all for you, young man. Thanks for four years of providing depth and playing at times uh, but go go have fun go have some success and that's that's what I like about the portal is if you know you got in above your head and you need to go down that's awesome but we're seeing players leave these big programs and supplement other programs hell Kansas got a lot better because they did an incredible job in the portal you can get some bad apples out of the portal and spoil your team but K-State's done a good job of upgrading with portal guys the safety position has been much better than we expected because of the portal um, and, and on it goes. I mean, we look at Julius Brantz. He came through the portal a year ago right. uh, out of Iowa. Um, he wasn't playing at Iowa. He comes through the portal. Two years later, he's he's going to be an early round pick, maybe a first round pick. I don't know. Uh, maybe not. First day pick, excuse me. May, I'm not sure. Uh, but the portal has been an equalizer, not an enabler of the rich to get richer. And that's been really good for college football. Absolutely. Absolutely. The only we still we've got some things to, to tighten up about it. I still don't like the poor look. If you go into the portal right now and then you come out, I think it should be cut off at the end of the season or not the end of the season, but at the end of this time period. Look, you know what you got. Either you want to be at your school or you don't. But letting guys go after spring ball. Going through the spring process at your current school and then, oh, somebody called me and they want me to come to their school? No, I I, I just don't. I don't like that. And even if it's helped K-State, I don't believe that that is the right thing because now it's, hey. We like this guy. We see what he's doing. Let's offer him something because you can offer him NIL money or whatever. Let's let's get this guy and pick him off after spring ball that somebody's already counting on. I, I don't believe that's the right way to do it. Uh, but you are right. It's not a, the rich get richer. And I believe that a lot of K-State fans thought, oh, no, it's going to be bad for us. And my thing was all it's done for us and for a lot of teams, you just have to build your roster every year. Right. And it's no different than, you know, it's not professional. I'm not saying it's professional, but it's kind of like a professional team. you got to put pieces together every single year. So you're going to have a different team based on, you know, the new guys that come in and look, whether we want to believe it or not, it's Manhattan, Kansas. And while we love it, it's not the most ideal place to live. So it's for, but it can be for a college kid. So you just have to piece things together every single year. That's just part of football. That's just the way that we got to do things these, these, you know, 
right during these times. Right. And I don't think it's going to change. So since it's not going to change, we've got to get with it. And the coaching staff has done a fantastic job of finding guys that are going to fit in to what we are doing and be productive. They, they, they've done as good a job as anybody in the country, in my opinion, of finding guys at other schools plugging a hole and not just being good players, being fantastic players. It's just, it's mind blowing how good our coaching staff has been at that. At evaluating and finding guys that um, honestly were not at near this level. It started with Brian Moore coming up from, you know, FCS level at tight end. And they've, they've done it with uh, Stubblefield and uh, Drake Cheatham. It's just on and on. They go find guys at a lower level and bring them up. And I think that's, Look, if I'm at the FCS level and I think I can play FBS football and I've been really good, there's nobody in the country I want to play for other than Chris Kleiman because he knows your value. He appreciates your value. He doesn't look at you as anything lesser because you started off the SCS. He gives you a full shot. He brings you in. He makes you part of the team. And he, he just integrates those guys in. I think it's kind of a sneaky little thing that K-State could start working for these FCS guys that want to move up, come to Kansas State where the coach knows exactly what you are because he was there himself. Well, and the one thing about it, Fitz, is the guys are a little older, too. I mean, he's not just getting freshmen from that level. He's getting guys that are 21. 22, 23 years old in some cases. You know, your body has matured a little bit. Your mind has matured a little bit. So, you know, you're more mature, more physically mature of a football player. So that makes a huge difference. It just does, you know, versus getting somebody from high school or right out of high school to come and and plug in. Being physically ready to play is a huge problem. Now, if they're already playing at the FCS level and they're playing well, and they're that old, they can play at the FBS level. They just can. And we're just doing a great job of finding those guys that, number one, are locker room guys, because I believe that's how they evaluate it. Are you going to fit into our locker room, and can you help us win? And are you going to be a good person on campus? I I just believe that's how they look at it, probably in that order. and we're just doing a great job of of doing that. Coaching staff needs to be commended for that. Yeah, they certainly do. You know, one of the things that's changed about my job in the last few years with conference realignment, you know, we talked about the transfer portal. That's a big change for the entire college football landscape. I've been sitting here refreshing on the TV ratings page, waiting for it to update because I'm really curious. And we're taping this with 445 on on Monday right now. It still hasn't updated. We haven't seen the rankings or ratings from the weekend. You know, last year, the, the Big 12 game went over 8 million viewers. I, the way that game played out, I, I'm really curious to see what the ratings will be for the Big 12 game because that is entertaining football two years in a row with goal line stands. So yeah. uh, get get me these numbers. I'm jonesing, man. <laughs> I got to have my fix. I just believe that, I mean, it was college game day was there. The number one crew on ABC was there. They made a bigger deal of this game, um, obviously, to pub TCU because they wanted to get them in the playoff, which I understand. 
Um, I, I just believe a lot of people were tuning in and, and was in a game was going to be competitive. That's the one thing you knew it was going to be competitive. Nobody wanted to watch Georgia blow out LSU unless you were a Georgia fan. Nobody's tuning in for that. And they knew what it was going to be. And it was, this was different. It was high noon, you know, or 11 o'clock where we are. And a lot of people were watching the football game. I, I just believe the numbers are going to be outstanding. I do. Well, what a season. I mean, what a season. Chris Kleiman gets to 10 wins. One of the things that uh, most spoiled K-Staters wasn't all the bowl trips and all of that. Um, it was how easy Bill Snyder for a stretch of seasons, the seasons you were playing, certainly, to win double-digit games and made it look simple. And it's not. It is no. not simple at all. Getting to double digits is extremely difficult. Here they are at ten and three, chance to finish eleven and three with a win over the biggest brand in college football. And honestly, you know, short of pre World War II Army and Notre Dame and some of those schools, I'm not sure there's ever been a more dominant run by a football program in the history of the modern history of college football than what Alabama has put together here. It's impressive. Um, Nick Saban's done a marvelous job. So to get an opportunity to take a crack at that, that's that's pretty huge for a program like Kansas State. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been watching college football and paying attention to it for a long, long time. And you do, you haven't seen this type of a run. You've seen teams be dominant, even Nebraska when they were dominant or Miami when they were dominant. It was over a longer stretch of time, you know, um, of dominance. And then it ended. So and it went the other way quickly where that hasn't happened with Alabama. You know, I know things are different and times have changed, but it I just haven't seen that kind of dominance, you know, in this sport uh, at all ever. And to be able to just what you said, to be able to take a crack at it. Uh, I, I love it. I love it for the guys. I love it for the program. Uh, the difference, you know, and, and people ask me this all the time. And I talked to a lot of people that were listening online uh, at the game on Saturday. And they kind of asked me some questions. And I just said, look, the talent difference was or talent difference was different when I played. We had all the, I shouldn't say all the talent, but we were just as talented as the most talented teams in the country. That was without question, and it was just a fact. So getting to those wins and 10 wins, eight of them were because we were more talented than the other team. That's just a fact. Now, doesn't mean you didn't have to play. Doesn't mean you didn't have to work hard, but we were more talented. Things are a little bit different now. Where K-State is a talented team right now, and they absolutely are, I don't know that they're always the most talented when they step on the field. But the bottom line is when you mix that with coaching, experience, work ethic, locker room, it can make you a really, really good football team, and that's what Kansas State has right now. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. One final thought from you. I want your um, I want your opinion on the safety forward pass fumble call on Max Dugan. Dugan, I look his arm was going forward. I'm I'm all with that. But he wasn't trying to pass. He was holding on to no, the ball. Absolutely. But even if you want to call it a pass, the ball traveled from his hand backwards. That's right. I don't have any idea how that's a fumble. I understand his arm's going forward. I understand that's what the official saw. But if your arm's going forward and the ball goes backwards, that's called a backwards pass, and it's a fumble. 
I have no idea what they ruled, and I hope I get clarification on that because I think the officiating crew royally screwed that one up. Well, I mean, and I don't – I'll just be honest. Any clarification you that you get that doesn't say that's a fumble is full of it. It's ridiculous right. because, first of all, I've never seen a play like that. I'll, I'll, I'll go out there and say that. I've never seen the ball get hit from the front where a quarterback's going to pass. It does not leave his hand and ends up – it was almost like a blocked shot. Right. And it goes backwards. Well, a blocked shot – is still a block shot if it goes backwards. And that's exactly what happened. And if you slow it down, which I've slowed it down, he, there was a zero possibility that he was going to throw that football. He was not going to throw it. He was going to hold on to the football, and it got knocked out of his hand because if you slow it down, his arm slows down, and he's going to bring the ball down, right. and then it gets knocked out of his hand. That's a fumble. It's just a fumble. You can't just because my arm's moving forward doesn't mean I'm throwing the football. Because he didn't. He had his arm was moving forward and he wasn't throwing the football. You could see it. He almost started to tuck it down. It just got knocked away from him. It was a fumble. It was an incredible play. And, you know, K State would have gotten the ball back. They would have had to punt from the 20. They probably would have gotten the ball back about exactly where they got it after they punted and then ended up scoring a touchdown. But if they'd done that with two more points, we would have never had an overtime. That's right. And uh, in a way, I'm all for it because watching Ty Zentner do that, watching the celebration after he did that, um, incredible. What a way to end yeah. a football game. What a way to end a regular season. A walk-off field goal. It's been a long time since I've seen that from K-State, and they did it on the biggest stage possible. Huge win. Uh, final thoughts, Brian, on everything K-State's accomplished, what they're looking at, anything you want to say. Well, you know, we said at the beginning of the year that we thought K-State could be a really good football team. Really good football teams find find their way, even through adversity, and are able to win championships. You're defined by overcoming adversity and winning championships. K-State has a championship under their belt. I mean, I don't know what else to, to add to that other than we knew that we could be good. We hit some adversity. We overcame it. And we won a championship. I just, I can't be more proud of the guys. And and again, and of the coaching staff, because it takes a lot to keep them together after Tulane. It just does. You got to have a good locker room and you got to have a good coaching staff to be able to do that. Cause that thing could have went sideways quickly, quickly. And we could have been six and six, like I said, and I thought that's what we were going to be, but they held it together. They went back to work. They understood what they needed to do. They did that. Um, And we're just a better football program because of that. And I think that's the testament of the coaching staff. Fitz is we're a better program because when you're not as good a program as what K-State is, you don't win the championship starting off the season the way that you started it off. Even the first couple of games that we won, we just weren't great. We just weren't a good football team. So that's what I really wanted to say is I've been on the coaching staff previously. I've given them praise. I think this they're on their way. I think the program is on its way to, to who knows where. And I think this was a good launching point. We got to keep going. We can't slow down. We can't stop. We can't say, hey, we made it because we haven't made anything yet. But the bottom line is they're champions. 
And when you're a champion, sometimes it's okay to stand and put your chest out. So they should do that. I'm proud of the guys. Well said, brother. Well said. Um, We'll find an excuse to talk uh, in advance of going to the Sugar Bowl. We'll we'll find a reason to to chat again. Uh, And I stole this flat out, and I told him I was going to do it. Uh, My friends at SiriusXM had me on on Monday morning with – Ari Timken and, and Fozzie Whitaker and one of the producers came up with Kleinesty for what Chris Kleiman has built at North Dakota State and might be building at Kansas State. I'm all in on the Kleinesty at Kansas State. We will see how it plays out. Beating Alabama would go a long ways to that. That's it for this post-game review podcast. That is Brian Hanley, the former offensive lineman for the Cats, who helps us out as our football analyst. I am Fitz, and our sponsors are, of course, Caddy Shack Golf. It's Caddy with two T's. Go check them out, and we appreciate everyone listening. So much more coming from GoPowerCat.com. Stay tuned. We got the goods, and we're going to deliver. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat Podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation.